0: Welcome to the Good Energy Healing Show. This is Hillary Crowley. I'm going to talk about um, the secret art of inviting happiness and miracles into your day today. And who doesn't need that on any given day? Um, I'm crediting and dedicating um, this uh, entire uh, podcast and the information that I'm going to be sharing to the good work of... um, Dr. Izui, who is known as a spiritual medicine practitioner back in Japan. He was born in 1865, and he died in 1926. Um, and in 1922, he uh, finally took his life work and created a center for the study of Reiki, um, R-E-I-K-I, and... Um, Reiki, we hear about now in hospitals, um, where lots of people I know get introduced to the idea of energy medicine through this word Reiki. And, um, somehow amazingly Reiki has become popular in spite of the fact that, um, it's not a easy pronunciation to look at it. Um, it's not a word that's, you know, deep into the English lexicon in the Western world. Um, And here we are, Um, Reiki. Every time I say what I do, um, which is a compilation of many different um, practices and my own um, kind of life work, everyone asks me, does that mean you do Reiki? And I always say, yep, (laughs) because that too, and that as well. And probably I should take a minute and dig into this thought that I'm always having about how do you encapsulate in one word? Um, something that's so innate and inherent to everybody's being Um, because if we were to assign a word to the healing loving life force energy it seems like it diminishes it a bit more than a bit It, it feels like either you know the word or you're or you don't know um about healing loving life force energy which i think is ridiculous because there are all sorts of um, classes you can take to expand your knowledge of healing and energy healing. Um, but I would never want the assumption to be, if you don't take a class or if you don't make this your life daily work, like I do that in any way you're left out or not accessing, I wish that you could see the expression on my face because, um, my eyebrows and I just, I don't anyway, welcome because I'm here to talk about um, how somebody organized the thoughts that I'm not not organizing so well. So um, this man dedicated his life to um, travel and study in monasteries and seeking. He was a seeker um, because the premise was, according to his story, the premise was that he had studied theology and he was teach a teacher teaching theology, a teacher, a professor of theology. And he is Japanese, and he had an honor code as a professor when he was faced with a question that he couldn't answer. That's where he found his life-seeking purpose. Let's just pause on that for a second. Any of you stumble across a, a question that you feel uniquely sparks your flame, isn't that cool? It's an Eastern tradition of saying, ah, something has sparked me. And now I know what my life purpose is. I'm always amazed, no matter where we go on our journey, uh, how many people are struggling with not identifying life purpose, Um, reason for being, as the French would say, or raison d'etre. So um, here we are. And um, so he found his reason for being. And he sacrificed time and um, the nature of his seeking involves sacrifice. He would live and delve deeply into the cultures of monasteries in Tibet, uh, China, Japan. All of this is um, non-written historical uh, records um, that were eventually written down after our, I like to call it a long, long game of telephone tag, where just one person... Um, shares the oral history and then passes it on to the next person and the next person, and the next person. There's, um, evidence that he studied, uh, Christianity through, um, Roman Catholicism that he was in the United States and also studied native American, um, traditions. Um, and ultimately he landed on this great Tibetan wisdom that if you are seeking It is time to turn within and quietly meditate and ask for the answer. I think that's pretty cool. So um, it's a good story. and And it sums up how we may be living our whole lives. That we seek, we seek, we seek. We look for outside answers. And ultimately, it's time to stop, gather everything you've collected in your conscious and subconscious mind and quietly listen for the answer. I'm going to leave the history lesson at that and move on to um, the promise of today's podcast, which is five principles, uh, the secret art of inviting happiness and miraculous medicine. Um, So this gentleman, his hope was that uh, he had created a center for hands-on healing. So he's hoping that his practitioners would have this as the principle and the guidelines for I, I think it actually is a guideline for ethics, integrity, walking your walk, and also being the healed healer, the healer, heal thyself. Hmm. However we heard that before. So here we are, um, with the five principles. And I think what I'm going to do is just list them off. I'm not going to have like a, a long analysis. Um, and then, and then I'll break it down. So The secret art of inviting happiness is, um, first of all, is to dedicate yourself and devote yourself to the secret art itself, which I think is, is, is cool. So we don't have to get it all at one time. We have to go ahead and repeat one day. And he actually says repeat in the morning and repeat in the evening. So in the morning and in the evening, he invites us to, um, Invite in happiness and understand that there is a miraculous medicine that can get to the root of all his claim, disease, doctor Izui's claim. And here it is. Just for today, do not anger, do not worry, be filled with gratitude, devote yourself to work, be kind to people, and devote yourself to your work. Your career could be your work. Um, he could be talking to the practitioners. So your 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 work doing the healing, be devoted. Um, it could be the daily practice of being alive, the work of uh, taking care of anything that you need to do in your household, in your family, in your community. And he suggests, um, in a very sensei type of way, that every morning and evening. Join your hands in prayer and pray these words to your heart and chant these words with your mouth. Ah, so we're saying it out loud and repeating it over and over again, which we know from uh, different yogic practices that that um, overrides the conscious analytical mind and goes deep into um the, the, the deep habit form, forming of the routine of thoughts, of good positive thoughts. So it has been broken down so many different ways um, into making it easier to memorize. And I've seen it in a list form and it was taught to me in a list form that looked like just for today, do not anger. Repeat just for today, do not worry. And then repeat the just for today again, just for today, be filled with gratitude. Again, just for today, devote yourself to your work. And again, just for today, be kind. And I've heard be kind to all living beings. Be kind to people, which is what is in the uh, one of the original translations. Um, And I I love to be kind. So the beautiful thing about text that is now um, 100 years old that stands up is that there's meaning within meaning within meaning. And that's where I believe the the translations um, carry a healing value in itself. And that would work well for a chant. So, um, all right. So now I'm going to go into some neuroscience and psychotherapy findings. And I'm going to go back through this list. Just for today, do not anger. Okay, so it's turning out that it's a very, very uh, interesting and seems to be becoming a well-known association that um, angering, the habit of being in anger is associated with a form of depression or is, is a symptom of, of depression. And then there's an understanding um, that I learned through my, um, my meetings with, with my colleagues in psychotherapy and also researched um, and read and have read many much about this if you haven't heard this before, I think you're going to love this. So if you have a tendency toward feeling depressed, it tends to be that you keep your narrative, your story, oh, uh, in the past so that you're living in the past. And depression and anger are associated with each other, and that's associated with living in the past. So again, come back to the present moment just for today. Nice. Get it? Being in the moment just for today. Do not anger. That is our medicine for depression. The second line is just for today. Do not worry. So here we are. We're back. Come back to center. And let's take a moment to look at another ailment that um, sends us for um, a tailspin, which is anxiety. Again, um, neuroscience and um, psychotherapy is finding that with anxiety um, that tends to um, look and feel like worry and it tends to have to do take your arrow in the other direction, not living in the present tense, but living in the future so that you're seeing what's coming up and you're feeling a sense of uh, just disease, disorientation. You do not feel ease in your heart and you are putting your energy into living in the future and therefore feeling anxiety. So the worry I associate line, I associate with living in the future. The anger line, I associate with living in the past. Great, cool. Thanks for that, everybody. I'm sure you're thinking like, all right, so easier said than done. I love that expression, (laughs) easier said than done. Well, it turns out, that there's a remedy. And this has been extremely um, researched lately. And um, they found that the thought habit, the practice of gratitude, not just the attitude or the habit of gratitude, um, but the thought, the deep thought around gratitude is um, fascinating and it's a powerful remedy and i have to credit Brené Brown again i just i know i credit her on every podcast but she's one of the brilliant minds of our time she's a social worker gone phd gone author and i feel like the you know the sister energy coming off from texas from her because she you know we're we're from the same generation and um, she's just done a beautiful job influencing the conversation around why thoughts matter, why our behavior as humans matter. And she has this really good joke in one of her books about the attitude of gratitude. Yes, it rhymes and it makes it easier for us to remember as if we should have to have a rhyme to remember to be you know great grateful and, and have gratitude. Um, but she makes a joke about the attitude of gratitude and she says, I have an attitude of yoga because I wear my yoga pants every day, but that doesn't mean I'm getting on the mat and doing any yoga poses or any yoga trance or doing my yoga, but I'm walking around with an attitude of yoga, um, because I'm wearing my yoga pants, which, you know, yoga pants are super comfortable. If you haven't gotten into having an attitude of yoga pants, you should today because they're just. Uh, and the different re- recently they're like baggy it just basically says I'm going to dress so that at any given moment I can sit on the floor and like stretch or lie down or touch my toes you know it's cool so I get the attitude of yoga it got a big laugh when she shared it and she said but we all know that that's different than actually having a practice of yoga and okay so think find your own analogy if you don't get the yoga joke you know, having an attitude of um, football, you know, wearing like a, you know, a shirt for your favorite player does not mean you're invited out on the field, you know, you know, to, to to catch the ball or, you know, if you're actually playing football, then you have, you know, the practice of football. Um, So don't just wear your gratitude on the outside, um, practice it so that it becomes a, you know. Let's just stay with the metaphor. It becomes your daily sport, your daily activity. So, um, okay, so here's the cool research. Okay, so I, I said the piece about being in the past, which is the anger and the depression and being in the future, which is the um, anxiety and um, worry and being in, you know, stuck thinking in the future, thinking in the future. And then it's like, oh, keep your mind thinking in the present tense. Well, that is really, really hard. I need an activity to help me with that. And the um, attitude of gratitude, it turns out research is showing, and you can do your research right now, that if you go into a place of sincere and devoted gratitude, The body cannot register depression and anxiety and gratitude at the same time. Try it. It is amazing. If you are in a place of sincere and devoted gratitude, the body cannot register your depression and the body cannot register your anxiety. This is actually a medicine. Uh, I was suggested to set my alarm. Um, on my phone to a certain time, if I had a watch, I could set it on my watch to a certain time where, um, I'm reminded at least one time a day to stop and go through my gratitude practice. Many of my clients have seen, who see me in the middle of the day around 1244, will see my alarm go off and I don't miss a beat. I don't even lose eye contact, but it immediately like a, like a Pavlov's response to a bell, I, um, ask myself to list off, um, three things in that moment that I would be grateful for. And here's one of the tricks inside of this habit. The more specific you can get to what you're, uh, feeling gratitude for that you're grateful for, the more powerful it resonates deep into, um, your cellular system I feel that for like a point of connection um, when it's time to remap the brain and you find something that is your happy place that is also the case of um, the more specific you can be you know some people will say you know go to your happy place oh I'm on the beach like yeah but what wh- which beach and, and and what is the texture of the sand and in my case it's always like what is that exact memory? And if I can bring it down to the split second memory of the happy place or the visual specific visualization, I do feel like that changing my body chemistry, which means it's affecting my mind and I'm healing my body. So that's um, the, the I just skipped from, um, but I don't think I took too far of a jump from this uh, long held. Um, practice of finding your happy place when you're stressed out, they do it for people who are under uh, medical duress, it's an absolute go-to for anyone who trains for preparing for childbirth, find a place that um, allows your mind to, um, to relax in your moments that you can relax, and now we're going back to finding your moment of gratitude, and allow it to Change and change every single time your bell goes off and says, I need to find one um, thing that I'm truly grateful for. So um, take a moment right now and list off in your head. Do not, you don't have to write this down. You don't have to um, get all, you know, high and mighty about it, or uh, there's no right or wrong answer. But if you can't find right now, one thing you're grateful for, I guarantee that you are struggling um, with um, just inviting happiness into your life because uh, being grateful in the moment invites happiness and it relaxes the body, which is the opposite of disease. It brings ease into your body. Okay. um, Let's just keep going because that can be a beautiful assignment for you and you'll watch your heart and mind and body relax and open and you have brought the invitation it's actually in the it's actually in the um, text the invitation to invite happiness into your life when was the last time you were invited to anything i feel like the world of inviting is maybe it's my middle age where like i feel like we're not inviting each other to things like you don't get an invitation. It feels so nice to get an invitation to be invited. No pressure. You don't have to be there, but you're invited. You know, there's an expression you're always invited. Um, But like, let's really bask in the idea of inviting um, blessings into your life, inviting happiness into your life, Um, being invited um, to, uh, by Dr. Uzui to practice the principles of of um, being part of the solution, being part of your own solution in life. So we don't stop there, but um, you can see where we take a grand pause because now we're finding that the neuroscience of the first three lines that he shared as a secret um, as a secret to inviting happiness and healing the body was um, just for today, do not anger, just for today, do not worry, and just for today, be filled with gratitude. I hope that resonates with everybody. Now let's move on to the next line. Just for today, devote yourself. Devote yourself to your work. So devotion, um, I was looking up the definition for religion, religious um, the other day, and religion is basically the practice of devotion, to um something and we can say to your god but religious by definition means the practice of devotion to something so then of course you know me i had to look up or maybe you don't know me but i had to look up the um i had to look up the uh, definition for devote and devote is to be allow yourself to to drop into a state of awe to something greater than yourself. Devote. Um, And so to be in awe of your work that you're doing is to be incredibly mindful. Think about the work you have to do today and what that work is. I am very, very lucky because I do walk through my day in my practical career um, constantly being in awe of the experiences and the people and the stories from the intelligent human energy field, um, the coincidences and the synchronicities that come together and just the glorious um beauty of the human spirit. Uh can't ask for better than that. So, but then again, I have been practicing these five principles since they were introduced to me in 2001 and um so maybe I've just quietly walked myself towards this ease of devoting being in awe of something greater than myself and allowing myself to be in service to my work so um Uh, Carolyn Rittenberger who is Carol Rittenberger is a medical intuitive. Um, I've taken her courses and I absolutely adore her. Um, she's a great writer. Um, look her up and she breaks down things so simply. She actually speaks to a lot of people about management styles. So she likes to go in and heal companies and she has written a a great book about, you know, know, you know, know the constitution, the spiritual constitution and the thought constitution of all your employees. Um, because if you can understand uh, where people's um, fundamental constitution is in terms of their heart center, then you can um, have a room full or a company full of happy people. Um, and from a medical intuition Um, tradition she says everybody is healthier the healthy mind you root out you root out um, any issues within each person and then you have a more productive and happy environment okay so that's me giving uh carolyn rittberger a um, big credit um because i have a lot of respect for her but here's one of the things where i oftentimes just cherish um daily what she said. She said, you can go through life being a servant or you can go through life being in service. She said, she made a bold claim. She said, I find that people who are happy spend their life in deep happiness, right? That the happiness that fulfills you no matter what, you can um, spend your life being in service to the work you're doing, which I like to think of as that piece about devotion, or you can spend your life being a servant. And if I haven't used this example before, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use it again if I've used it before. And if I haven't, here's my introduction to you. Um, the act of, um, you know, gritty, gritty, gritty work. Um, you hear about this from the mystics, Um, where sometimes the most beautiful work you can do is the dirtiest work you can do. So let's just take an example of cleaning out a public toilet bowl that everybody uses um, as part of of their physical necessity in life. And thank goodness for toilets because, you know, we need them. That being said, we have um, this idea that – your job, let's just be metaphorical about this, is to clean out the toilet bowl. <laughs> and to do it as a servant, the focus would be on the filth of the toilet bowl, the stories around the toilet bowl, the the, 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 the residue, the dirt. Um, I'm keeping my podcast clean, but you can, you know, you know what I'm talking about the stuff in the toilet bowl and you can focus on the stuff but to be in service i hope i'm getting this right because i said to be a servant is you focus on the stuff and the junk and what you're cleaning in the toilet bowl to be in service you you focus on the beautiful bowl itself and to restore its shine and restore its sanity and the service that you're doing to um I just said restore it sanity. I meant restore the sanitation, but um, you know what? Sometimes these little slip ups really work. So get rid of this stuff and restore the sanity and the sanitation of the toilet bowl. My metaphor just collapsed on itself, but um, you get the point. Um, so think about um, that as a metaphor to, you know, the stuff you have to clean up today in your work, whether it's a pile of dishes or, or a note home from school that a phone call you have to make, or um, just something, and just think of it more as devoting yourself to being in awe of how I can be of service to the to the greater good of uh, whatever whatever my job is. Um, you can drop that into deep deep mindfulness practice and allow every movement that you that that you would call your your working moving through your day to be devoted, to be in a state of awe. So these five uh, principles are actually um, deceptively powerful. Of course, that's how they last 100 years and change lives. And so then we have the piece, just for today, be kind. Just for today, be kind. Okay, so I love this kindness movement that's been taking place i've noticed it in the last 10 years you have the little signs that people say kindness matters be kind um kindness really does matter because if you want to flip this whole piece up on its head and say just for today be kind and then just for today be kind just for today be kind just for today be kind and just for today be kind there you have it five principles because just for today, if you're to be kind to yourself, we stop the internal dialogue, which garners up so much hostility and, um, disorientation in the body. Um, because what we have going on are, um, warring factors of thoughts all the time, either internally to the external world, which is that that situation, that person, that event just makes me angry and it makes me form opinions. And with those opinions, it gives me permission to be um, tolerant or intolerant or insistent. And going back to Dr. Azui talking to his practitioners, he said, that's not as helpful as you might think. The thinking mind, the the analytical mind is not as helpful in all of its wrestlings out there than you would think. Because at the end of the day, if you are kind, you are allowing the thoughts to be harnessed and calmed and resonating with the deeper spiritual knowing that everybody out there has a thread of kindness and a need for love and a need for belonging. That's what kindness can resonate towards at any given moment. Somebody else might have a need for being destructive, um, for being right, um, for being, um, faster, uh, for being in a state of competition, but kindness is a deeper integrity and it's, and it's, and it's a, in many ways, a greater victory. So I love that that's built right into it. Um, there's a, Oh, I think I was watching a Dalai Lama and Lady Gaga were on some kind of a panel together in this age of communication. I would love to credit that, but I'm pretty sure if you Google the Dalai Lama and Lady Gaga together, you will pull up this beautiful piece that uh, Dalai Lama sat quietly while he watched um, Lady Gaga absolutely speak um, as a musician to to her people, and uh, he had such um, a qui- <laughs> he had such like a a quiet um, reserved way about him, and then Lady Gaga was you know animated. In no uh, attire. She was just dressed um, like, um, you know, regular daily dress where you're not on stage in front of 20,000 people. Um, and she had talked about how she'd been studying kindness and she was studying the human condition. And she realized that in the human condition, we might not get past our prejudices. We not might not get over our fears Or orientations to why we are fearful she said so you know what leave that all behind because you're gonna have lots of different um, stimulus during your day that's going to uh, ratchet you up or down in terms of all that you're feeling and if we go back to the principles things that make you worried things that make you angry um, and and she said but leave that all behind Because your actions matter and the act of being kind to others can cut through all the other discord of our society. So he's asking us, Dr. Zui is asking us in these five beautiful principles to be good citizens. And he has one rule, one rule, be kind, be kind, be kind. So just for today, do your work. Um, with devotion, I've also heard it say just for today, do do your work honestly, um, and just for today, be kind to people. I've also heard it be kind to all living beings. Be kind. Um, all right, I think I have it. Let me count it out for you. Just for today, do not anger. We get that now, right? That's that's the that's the remedy to depression. Just for today, do not worry. We get that right. That's, that's the line that reminds us not to be anxious. The two, the two, um, general states of constitution. Am I an anxious person? Am I a depressed person? Am I both? Um, he says, it says, okay, okay, I'll help you. I'll help you just for today. Be filled with gratitude. So maybe, maybe, um, start by setting your alarm clock and then move, move much deeper into that so that you're, um, living, breathing in a state of gratitude. I have a, um, story, um, that I, that I want to let you know how, just how powerful, how powerful, um, this is because it prepares us for times, um, in our day or in our life where, um, we're actually prepared by this. This does not soften us. This puts us in a a place of deep relaxation because we know we're always prepared, um, in in our day if we practice these principles. So I I had been practicing maybe for a year. Um, I wouldn't even need to bat an eyelash when um, the alarm went off and I could go quickly into one, two, three. And then I had um, a crisis that occurred because my mother got very sick, and I'm a believer um, when somebody close to you gets sick and is in the hospital – If you are uh, a next of kin and you're allowed to stay in the hospital with them. I know that might be radical for some people. Um, There have been times when I haven't been able to do that, but I, if I'm close enough, I get there for every shift so that the nurses know that there's a family member, a loved one who is advocating for their person who is in the hospital. Um, lots of nurses would wholeheartedly agree with that in case people are overtired, understaffed. It helps prevent any error, you know, medical errors. And also, um, it obviously p- provides um, a safety net and a voice for the patient that you are watching over. So um, let it be said, I stayed at uh, Massachusetts General Hospital for, I think, four or five nights. And it happened quickly. I wasn't packed. I was kind of wearing the same clothes. Um, somebody, I think I was actually wearing my, my mother's clothes because she was in a Johnny so I could borrow her clothes and they were kind enough to let me stay. And I was sleeping on a cot, a little couch. Um, and I was beyond concerned um, about my mom. So um, I was exhausted. I hadn't had the food I was used to. I was away from my children and my husband Um, I had let all of my daily, um, duties go, um, and I stopped everything and I was stressed, strained, and sad, the three S's. Um, but there you go. Did not, (laughs) I didn't turn off my alarm. So I was actually agitated too, because one of the social workers had come in and really didn't, um, acknowledge my uh, my mother's humanity, she looked like she was like way too young to be so over it, but she was over it. That was you know she she didn't really need to she kind of, you know when people talk to you as if you have hearing loss and you don't have hearing loss, so they're sort of talking out the window, bouncing off the glass, coming back at you, asking you how you're doing but not waiting for the answer. And you're in a hospital. so you ask anyone in a hospital how they're doing. And so you get, it. I was agitated annoyed with this person and um, stressed and, and sad and all of the above. Uh, there it goes. My alarm went off and all of a sudden I found myself without effort being grateful for the warm blanket that was put on me at three o'clock in the morning by a nurse. I will never be able to thank for the snow that was falling out over the Boston horizon and how beautiful it was. And for the conversation I was having with my mother, that I knew was a gift, because the day before she wasn't speaking, and so even if we were talking about the woman who just <laughs> walked in, I was grateful not for the content of our conversation, or the, or the, um, you know, the negativity around the events but that we were talking and that we were connecting. And I knew that this was a rare, beautiful moment that may not last for long. And it did not last for long. There we have it. And I look back at that moment and realize the power of the gratitude. And did I feel anger no longer? And did I feel worry when I had all the evidence in the world, all the justification in the world to feel worried and anxious, anxious. And I was with my mother who was the, professor of worry but I had taught my mom along the way I said mom you may acute worry you know equate um worry to um love because that's what you were taught I said but I want to let you know that that's not love to worry about me worry is they say sending a prayer into the future for something you don't want and as soon as I started to talk that way she would really like tell me that you know that she doesn't need to read any self-help books and she doesn't need a self-help daughter which I you know kind of love because um, it keeps me light and humble and um gets my sense of humor going again remembering that but you know you know what she really uh needed to hear that so um we said let's not worry let's get in the in the moment so um There, there it is. Those are, that's my final story, um, for, and I hope that it challenges you and sparks you to find your own, uh, devotion to your, um, five ways that, um, we can invite happiness and miracles into our life. And you don't have to come up with five more ways. 100 years ago, he put it into a nice, easy to manage just for today. Do not anger. Just for today, do not worry. Just for today, be filled with gratitude. Just for today, devote yourself to your work. And just for today, be kind. I leave you with that. This is Hillary Crowley from the Good Energy Healing Show. I hope that you have a beautiful day. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Please hit that subscribe button. I need some ratings. Um, And um, feedback is welcome. I would love it and I will be um, working to uh, keep making more podcasts and sharing more of this beautiful uh, wisdom that I'm so lucky enough to be part of my doing my work and devoting my myself to my work. Thank you all for checking in and the Good Energy Healing Show and have a beautiful day.